Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Network podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm delighted to have Kelly Dab on the call today. She is with I Do Collective, as well as the organizer for the Wedding Industry Education Facebook group. Kelly and I are fellow Ohioans, so anytime I'm through Ohio, I always get to connect with her in person, which is always a joy. And she's got such great insight and detail and knowledge about the wedding industry that I can't wait to dive into this podcast. And as a fun side note, back when we launched this podcast, she was our first interview and podcast, but because of audio issues, it never got released. So we're happy to have her back for round two. Yay. Thanks for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. Uh, Yeah. I'll turn it over to Sheree and let's get started. Hey, Kelly, we are thrilled to have you and we appreciate you um, and coming back with us again and making you do this all over again. But, you know, since uh, our first recording, which was 17 podcasts ago or so, I think that uh, you've launched something new as well. So, um, you know, Kelly really kind of showed up on the scene nationally within the last couple of years, and she just has taken the scene by storm. She's such a dynamic businesswoman, and she has such a great head about the industry because she has a lot of experience herself. She's not just uh, putting up Instagram pictures and saying, oh, I'm terrific. She has the, the guts and the experience behind her to really be an expert in her field. So we're delighted to have her here today to talk about her businesses, um, how she can help you as a wedding professional. And uh, we just look forward always to seeing her. As Jason said, it's always a treat. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Kelly, and just give us a shout out of what you want to talk about today. Oh my goodness. How do I, what do you say after that? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I actually didn't ever plan on doing what I'm doing today. Um, it was not something that like I had this big vision of where I was going to go with my um, business. Actually, I started blogging um, by accident, really, because I wanted to um, start talking about some of the things moms and life and business and wives and friends and people. And I wanted to do it in an authentic way where it wasn't like, you know, pretty and all covered in pink and glitter. And so I started writing a blog called So Not Together. Um, and it was about my life and how basically I outed all of my hot messness. And um, as part of blogging, I really started to learn about digital marketing and how, um, you know, what the, what the changing atmosphere of the digital world was as a result of trying to produce traffic for my blog, trying to get people to pay attention to what I was saying. And all of a sudden, it was like, OMG, this is what I was missing in my wedding business. And it was like, everything made sense. It was like the angels fell out of the sky and it was like, oh. and so all of a sudden I was like, okay, I think I can help other wedding professionals do this for their business. And so I just like put up a little website and I called myself a VA and I was first started as a VA for creative entrepreneurs. Well, we all know that's not a niche anymore. And <laughs> so um, I, uh, started obviously attracting wedding professionals because I was like, oh, hey, I can help you. I understand the wedding industry. And very quickly, I realized as a VA that like I wasn't just helping them do what they told me to do. I was telling them how they should do it. And so um, I started changing 
things around. Um, as part of that, I decided that I wanted to start a community um, on Facebook for wedding industry professionals um, to create a place where they could do like uh, post collaborations and network across the industry. And um, so I created a Facebook community and then everything in my life changed <laughs> in one, like in an instant. <laughs> And um, it all um, sort of like took on a life of its own. And now there are 6,500 people in our Facebook community. It's the most engaged Facebook community uh, for the wedding industry online. And then from there, what I didn't know was gonna happen was that it would turn into its own website, its own directory. Um, we're launching a magazine. Um, we're launching um, all, like, and very soon we're launching a website specifically for courses for wedding industry professionals. So it has sort of taken on a life of its own. Um, and as a result, I really learned a lot about myself and um, what value I have to add to the conversation in the industry. And so that's what I do. And in the meantime, after wedding industry education, you know, on the other days, I serve wedding professionals through digital marketing implementation. So we do strategies with them, um, but we also help them actually implement, which is something pretty unique in our market. We don't see a lot of people that will coach and implement, they'll either do one or the other. And so we do a good mix of both, create, creating strategies and then we can actually take those strategies and put them to work in your business. Well, I think that that's, that is a huge um, statement you just made, Kelly, because so many people it doesn't matter if you spoon feed them all the information they still don't have the time maybe the knowledge or the belief in themselves to get those things implemented and thereby to improve their business and i've seen so many of the pieces that you have created for folk and if you just turn it over to them and then nothing ever happens what well, was a waste of their time and money it was certainly a waste of your time if it never gets out in the public eye so mm -hmm. i applaud you for taking on that second half of that um, experience for the consumer because uh, ultimately, that's what makes it really a very good packaged product. So good for you. Yeah, you know, for me, it's it's really um, twofold. Um, one is uh, when I before I knew what I know now, right? There is nothing on the planet that would have been able to teach me what I know now just by teaching it to me, right? Like you have to literally put your fingers in the like like my aunt used to mix potato salad with her fingers, right? And I used to say to her, why do you do that? Just use a spoon, that's gross. But until you put your hands in the potato salad and you figure out how to mix it, you really do not understand how to, how to, how, what, what a mess it is, right? Like, so uh, for me, it's really about digging in and going, okay, this is kind of a mess and you have to know how to sort of navigate it before you just, like, you know, come up with something, some very tasty potato salad. It requires putting your hands in it. So for me, um, I would not have been able to, even as a wedding professional, just take it and run with it. So it's always been a core value of what we do is like, don't teach something that you can't actually implement, which I, or that you're not currently doing in your daily life. 
which is a problem I think we see across the education spectrum. You know, if you're not doing it, don't, don't teach it. So I try to live by the core value that if I can't implement it for myself or for you, then I shouldn't sell it or teach about it. That's a really great segue uh, to one of the things I wanted to talk about, which was education and the collaboration within the industry and within the group that you've kind of created, where you don't know all the answers, but you can ask the questions to find the answers or to find the people who have the answers. And one of the things I like about your group is having the professionals and the educators in there with the community so that we can provide some insight and information and so maybe we talk more about that, how we build a more collaborative environment. Yeah, you know, it's funny to me, um, and maybe I should be more scared of competition. I don't know, and I don't really know where that comes from. Um, but like, I never, ever, ever set out to create a place that was about Kelly and what Kelly knows, and that Kelly was like this I mean, let's be honest, in the industry, sometimes people create because they want their own visibility and they want to be known. Um, and so they build these followings and become influencers. And that was not at all what I wanted to do. As a matter of fact, that totally creeps me out, like super creeps me out. So one of the, one of the core values of our community was actually to create a community where other educators and other service providers and other people that had something knowledgeable and valuable to say could also be a part. And so um, I could potentially say, I don't know anything about um, SEO. So let me tag this person and then they would come in and answer. So from the very beginning, we brought in contributors and we brought in minds outside of just Kelly's head because um, I didn't, somebody taught me, right? Like I, somebody like poured into me when I was new in the business. Let's also say this, I've never been a DJ. So like, if I don't know anything about being a DJ, how am I supposed to answer this question about being a DJ? I don't know. I don't know what kind of equipment you need for plugging this thing into that thing, right? Like that's not my wheelhouse. So surrounding yourself, I think, with the community and the industry as a whole, when we surround ourselves and um, build each other up by saying, you know, this is not my area of expertise. Let me bring in somebody else. Actually, I, I personally believe that we're, that you're building your credibility, not tearing it down because you say, you know what, that's not my wheelhouse. And let me connect you with the person that is in that wheelhouse. I the other know. thing that creates too, Kelly, is that, um, that we become more contributors to each other. We, we become more uh, non-competitive. And I think that that's, that was from the very beginning of Wedding Network. What we were after was to be, you know, uh, cohorts in the industry, to not be uh, competitors with everyone and to share the knowledge that we had. It's like you said, somebody taught you. And I look back to when I started in the wedding industry, um, there wasn't really anybody in Portland doing wedding consulting or anything. And so a lot of it I had to make up. But then eventually I started teaching people that wanted to come in. It's what it's all about. It's collaboration over competition. And I think that when we have that mindset, those wedding professionals that do have that mindset ultimately can be more successful and be much better regarded in the industry as a whole. I mean, at the end of the day, like 
there's nothing that anyone can steal from me, right? Like you could go and copy my blog posts word for word and post them as your own. And it would suck and I would be mad at you. But in the same moment, I would be like, but you can't steal me, right? You can't steal what's in my head. And I can produce 20 more of those blog posts because that's real. This is real stuff in my head. We have a problem with competition when we look at it like um, we're running out of things. And I don't run out of things. Like I, I, I got stuff to say, so I'm not running out. So if you wanna steal it, knock yourself out, you're behind what I'm doing. <laughs> so, so to me, it's like, whatever, like go ahead, do whatever you wanna do, but I'm just gonna keep doing my thing. It's hard. I mean, it's really hard to put on blinders and not pay attention. But at the same time, if we all just know what we're great at, which is probably the hardest part of entrepreneurship is like just knowing what you're great at and you just stay there and you just keep developing those things that that key component of understanding self in business will propel you way beyond anything that you might be able to do for yourself by comparing yourself to others. You're still muted, Shree. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. See, I'm not perfect either. I was just going to say, so we're not perfect. And, you know, that's the joy of being in our industry is we all see the crappy people out there. But, you know, for us, um, we have so much to offer every one of us. And, you know, I, I'm like you, Kelly. I just don't, you know, I just don't buy into their issues. And um, we have the the problem where you're not being told you're great or you're not good enough or you have you're comparing yourself to others we tend to get into this rut that we can't get out of and i think that's something i do appreciate about the community is we're always trying to encourage each other we're always trying to support each other mm -hmm. and it gets very lonely up here at the top being an entrepreneur and trying to start your own business and wondering if you're doing a good job and wondering if what you offer is valid and correct and nine times out of ten it is you're looking at minor, minor little details that don't necessarily matter in the grand scheme of things, but you still outweigh them over a lot of other things and all the positives. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. So I just recently dealt with an issue with launching a magazine and it was like this huge hullabaloo over launching a magazine. And it really came down to people didn't want competition, not because the magazines were the same thing or even produced by the same people, but because it might be another thing in the industry that might disrupt another magazine. It's like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> um, so people just don't like things that upset their apple carts. I, maybe that's a good segue to transition over to what happened after the Facebook community grew to a certain point and you decided it was time to nail down some next steps? Yeah. So the Facebook community um, has always been very, very curated. Myself and our admin team, we literally look at every single one of the profiles that uh, request, which is why it's not in the tens of thousands. Otherwise it would be, but we would also have people that are not in the industry and are not interested in being engaged. So my philosophy has always been, if we curate the people that we put in the community, then they're more likely to stay engaged with the community. And the truth is that's, that works, okay? So, but what happens when you start to grow at that level is a few things. Um, 
you have to set some more strict boundaries for like how we operate and why we do that and what we mean and why we exist and you know what you're going to get out of this um and so we did we started with community guidelines so like here are some of the things that we stand for and here's why um here's the things that are at the core of this community and then from there um we started building out you know i I took on this idea, um, I'm gonna try to say this correctly. I took on this idea that I had to look at what I was doing as this leader that I never really intended to be. What is my responsibility to the wedding industry as a whole? Um, in this position, what is my responsibility to the conversations around the wedding industry? And so um, I started looking at that, like, you know, what's that, what's that saying? Help me guys, the, with, to the person to whom much is given, much is required, is that it? It's something like that. To whom much is given, much is required. So I knew that if I built this, right, and these people existed, right, that, um, it was I had a certain level of responsibility for being a resource to them and like leading the horse to water, but then also um, creating conversations in the larger industry as a whole to make change. Right. So now if you nail me down and you say, what is it that you, why do you do this? Jason, you asked me this question just recently. What do you want? What do you want? And all I said, my only answer to him was, I want to change the world. That's it. I want to change the world. I want to change the wedding industry as a whole. That's it. Okay, that's my goal. What does that look like? And then you start to break that down. And the way that I broke that down was, what are we missing in the industry? Like, what don't we have? What's not available to us in the industry? And what are, what are problems with the things that are available to us in the industry? And how do we fix them? And that's sort of where all these things started to view out, right? Like, what's, what's a problem? Well, we have all these courses and we have all these blog posts and we have all these things available to us, but nobody teaches you how to do them, right? So if I know how to do them, if I'm going to put my hands in the potato salad, then I can teach you how to put your hands in the potato salad. So we started teaching practicums, which are like literally, how do I do this? How do I break this down to the smallest piece and do that? And then we started focusing on the how instead of the why in all of our talks, right? So lots of people will tell you why you should do something. We teach you how to do it. And then um, we also started like looking at how do I connect people with the resources that they need in a, in a really, really fast way. So we created the directory. You know, the other piece of this for us was how do we elevate the successes of our own small community, right? Because, okay, this is like so controversial, but I'm just going to say it. Like, I love beautiful pictures of beautiful weddings that cost more than I will ever, ever own in my entire life, right? They're beautiful. They're stunning. They're inspirational. Okay, but there's like 1% of the world that is going to have functions like that. Okay, we do not all hang orchids from ceilings. Okay, that is not the rest of our lives. So the idea that we are all going to strive to hang orchids from ceilings, if you're if you're with me here, um, just isn't real. It's just not real. 99% of the wedding industry is mid-range budgets. 
is mid-range suppliers, um, is mid-range creative, okay? But yeah, we're all looking at the 1%, hoping that we can be them. And, and what I would rather say to people and the message that, that this, like creating this magazine and creating these places where we connect these people is like, hey, look, let's celebrate the 99% of us too right let's celebrate the rest of the things that are happening let's have conversations about real life things that happen in states like new hampshire and ohio and you know like we don't all live in new york city or california so like to me i want my responsibility is to celebrate the rest of us right and the successes that the rest of us are having and what the reality of true wedding businesses look like in the in the economy and what impact we have in the conversation about inspiration and the conversation about design. We have such an incredible impact and we're all watching 1% of people put out stuff. But you know, yeah. Kelly, that's, that's such a strong point because um, I remember Alan Berg once saying, everyone's high end in one or two categories. So when the planners all get together and I only want to do high end weddings, I can't tell you how many people I have tried to coach down off that wall. The sad part is, is that every bride builds up an expectation that this is what she can get for, well, the wedding report says the average wedding is $26,800. Well, BS, that's not what you can get for that amount. And we know that as wedding professionals. And I think it would be our responsibility to support and really value the average weddings in America. There are beautiful weddings that happen all over our country in all kinds of beautiful situations in the mountains, by a lake, on the desert, you know, that people are not seeing because, as you said, every publication publishes stuff that Colin Cowie did and Preston Bailey did and David Tutera did, and they're fabulous, but they're not the normal American bride. And it makes me sad that some of the publications won't even accept a wedding if they don't see, you know, all of those buzz points that can, you know, because they're trying to sell the magazine. And instead of thinking about who's my consumer, she's middle America. Mm -hmm. She still wants to have a lovely wedding that fits in her budget, whether it's $5,000 or $10,000. And when we only speak to the high end, I think we are insulting the potential client base that we have. And when planners say to me, I, I can't work with a budget like that, I say, yes, you can. You know, do what they want. You're still getting a fee. And if you only dream about those big weddings, sometimes those are the hardest ones to do anyway, as we all know that have been involved in them. And so I applaud you for taking on saying, you know, let's support and, and uh, really feature the weddings that are the normal weddings across America. I'm excited. Yeah, I just, you know, there's nothing wrong with sparkly suits. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? If I probably would have a total like girl, band girl moment if I ran into Colin Cowie, probably, right? I mean, I'd pull myself together and act normal, but I'm just saying, like, I'd be like, dude, if I could just follow you for one day and just see what your life is like, I'd, that'd be cool, right? But at the same moment, yeah, I have to look and go, you, like there's, we could probably sit here and name maybe 10 people that are at that 1%, right? Like in our industry as a whole. And let's be really, really, really honest. Below those 10 people, who else do you know? 
who else has something educational to give? And not only that, those 10 people, they're talking about design and they're talking about things like that. They're not teaching you how to do email marketing. <laughs> right. Like, so, um, so to me, there's just like this huge gap in the conversation. And I mean, we still have people struggling with crediting their photographer. Are you kidding me? Like, these are conversations that are happening in 99% of the industry and no one is having them because we keep thinking that this is about inspirational photos. But what we don't understand as an industry as a whole is if we want to change the conversation, okay? If we want brides to understand how much we charge, if we want people to understand, it, we want couples to value our services, or we want to raise that overall industry budget, we have that power. The 99% of us through digital marketing strategies would have the power to completely radically change the conversation of the industry because there's more of us. The problem is we're all looking at the 1% trying to emulate them when what we really need to be doing is taking the 99% of us and perpetuating our message of education. This is why we cost this much. This is how much our insurance costs. This is how much education costs. This is how much uh, your product costs and this is the value. And this is how to do this. And this is why we do this. We would literally have the power in our pinkies or in our typing fingers, essentially, to completely change the conversation about why we do what we do and why it costs what it costs. But nobody wants to do that work. Everyone's afraid to write that blog post explaining why I cost what I cost. And to me, that's absolutely insane. You have to hide what your cost is because your cost is going to range across the whole spectrum. And if your clients are aware of what your cost is, they're more likely to understand why they're getting what they're getting. Exactly. If, it, if the client isn't aware of continuing education and these networking opportunities and these potential for you to become a better professional because we're not talking about it, then the client doesn't understand the value that you're providing them. Exactly. And not only that, the, the issue with value is that we want – and I'm totally going to step on a soapbox here and I'm, and I might have people turn off your podcast because I'm going to say something that's like pull back the toes. Right. Okay. But the problem with value, the perception of value and our price tag is our fault. Okay. It's your fault. If people do not value you, why? Because you didn't show them that they should. Right. So your entire process of working with your client absolutely has to show them that you are worth what you're charging. The problem with value and a price point and a terrible customer experience process is that you didn't do your job in proving that you're valuable, right? So if you go to Target, let's say for example, and you're standing there and you're looking at curtains, very simple analogy. You're staring at curtains and there's a whole wall of curtains and there's $5 curtains and there's $50 curtains and they look exactly the same. They're the same color, they're the same pattern, but on the front of those $50 curtains, you better bet there's a list of things 
that teach you why you should pay $50 for those curtains versus $5 for these curtains, right? They have blackout shades. They're, you know, you don't have to dry clean them or, you know, you know what I'm saying. There's reasons why you should buy these $50 curtains over the $5 curtains. And they live up to what they're supposed to be, right? So you buy the $50 curtains because you believe that they're worth $50. Okay, the the issue is actually in here. It's not on paper. It's not in an email. The issue is in the value in relationship to your price with the client. The real problem, again, soapbox issue, the real problem is everyone's worried about themselves then making their own money and nobody has stopped to go, what do my brides and clients and couples think about me? What is in their mind? What, what's happening when they're making this buying decision? Nobody wants to talk about that because we're afraid of what their buying decisions are. But if we really dug into what our buyer decisions are, how influence and education change how they buy things, we could radically change the value proposition in the industry as a whole. Well, and I think that goes back to the how versus why again, where we we have these whys and we're asking these why questions as you develop a business and you write a business plan, but then we forget the how part and the details and the this is why. Yeah, I mean, and, it's just to me, like we had this conversation the other day in our community about, about a budget that a bride posted asking if this was a standard budget, okay? She had allocated, um, it was about, I think the whole budget was like something like $6,500, okay? Maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was like $8,500. But 5000 of that budget was for uh, a honeymoon. Okay, so clearly she valued the honeymoon, right? Okay, we knew that. That was visible. But the rest of her budget was things like the venue was $500. We all know in the industry, you're not going to get your venue for $500 unless it's a park, right? But she had put in $2,000 for flowers she had delineated that her aunt was going to make her bouquet. And then she also delineated that the flowers were coming from a specific shop, okay? And the specific shop's connection was her aunt. So to me, when I looked at this and I was evaluating what her budget was to understand her buying behaviors, it was very clear to me that when she talked to her aunt about making her bouquet, her aunt told her about how much her flowers were going to cost. Right. And so she had already allocated $2,000, which is uh, uh, way over many of the other things she had valued, uh, even like attire for the entire wedding party and things like that, like way over what she had valued for other people because someone influenced her. Okay. Someone said something to her to educate her. And so my message here is not that uh, she, she valued the honeymoon and so we should just get over it. That was her thing. No, the question mark here is if we know she values the experience of her honeymoon, yet she's going to put $2,000 in flowers when we all know you could do them out of paper or whatever else, someone influenced her. She had an education point in her planning process. So as industry professionals, we have to be thinking about how do we educate them before they inquire, not after. We keep saying, well, I'll educate them when they come to me. But at that point, they're in so much sticker shock that they like, what, what did you just say? 
okay? They don't hear you after they inquire. They need to hear you before they inquire. And let me tell you, a magazine's not gonna do that for them. That's not their job. It's our job as an industry to educate them before they ever inquire. And as we're starting to wrap up, not quite yet, I think that's a great way to segue the education conversation and flip it to, we have to start educating the clients and getting them to understand our perspective because we haven't been doing that as effectively as we could. We're, yeah. letting, we're letting magazines and advertising kind of manage the conversation, but that doesn't... Get mad when they don't do it right? Yeah, that does happen. Right? I mean, recently we all saw this report on the cost of weddings coming out from a major publication and the industry blew up and turned orange and flopped over dead, right? Like they had a total cow over this conversation. And basically what I had to say about it was, whose fault is this? This is your fault. Do you have a blog post accessible to your clients that say why you cost what you cost and what your value is? Do your clients understand your knowledge and experience? If not, that's your fault. It's absolutely your fault. Not only that, we have to have this conversation that just because you don't like to blog or just because you don't want to spend more time on social media um, or because you sit down to write on social media and you don't know what to say makes it okay. Okay, well, I just don't know what to do and or I just have to go a different direction. We are in a digital age in which your clients, potential clients and current clients even are getting their information online. So why are we not considering how we become their first resource, right? We have to be the place that they go for knowledge and information. That's up to us. If we don't do that, that's our fault, right? That's your responsibility. Well, and I think people don't want to take the responsibility because of the lack of education. And the other thing is, is that we're so worried about what our competitor is charging that we're not thinking what we should charge. When I was a wedding planner uh, in Portland, the average person coming along behind me charged a third to a fourth of what I charged. When I quit doing weddings 12 years ago, um, my last wedding was a five-figure fee. And people today still can't charge that, and they wonder why. Well, you have to sell yourself and you sell yourself by being recommended by the major hotels and, and other things. And too many uh, people get into business, Kelly, and I don't care what the business is. You know, I, I, it's tough in the wedding industry because they are all creatives, but you can't just be in business because you know how to do flowers. You have to have a plan. You know, you've got to have a business plan, as Jason mentioned. You've got to have, you know, a process and procedural uh, guidelines of how you run your business. And a, a big piece of that is your marketing. Do you have an editorial calendar? How do you operate? You know, all of those things and it's a slow but sure process of us trying to teach them but again you can lead the horse to water you cannot make it sit down to the computer and type a blog right but here's the deal with all of that said and here's the part where i where okay so i have been accused of um delivering smackdowns with roses so i'm going to deliver the smackdown with roses here's the problem with that mindset the problem with that mindset is amazon is coming for you, okay? Amazon is coming for our business. 
digital businesses are rising at a rate that's beyond what we can what we can sustain as creatives. Okay. Um, yes, you'll always have products. Yes, you will. But we all know that that doesn't require your expertise. Okay. What we have to be talking about is businesses that don't adopt and that don't make shifts to the digital landscape. And this is not just Kelly telling you this big doomsday talk. I'm talking about every person who has any idea of what's happening in the digital landscape is telling you, if we do not adopt these things, we, our businesses will fail. Our clients are expecting these things of us. My four-year-old daughter in 20 years is your client, okay? I hope I'm still alive in 20 years, of course, right? And she will never know a world where she couldn't go on her tablet and order an app she wants to play with, okay? She will never know a world where people didn't carry cell phones. She will never know a world where your kitchen didn't talk to you, okay? She will never understand, she'll never have seen a, a payphone. That, that does not understand, she does not, she won't know a world where there was no Instagram, okay? A rotary phone has never existed in her life, okay? So her mind and the way even my 10-year-old daughter thinks, and she's your client, let's say in 10 years, dear job, okay? Like, she, okay, she's your client in 10 years. She will never understand why you can't send her a proposal via your cell phone. Okay, she will expect that everything is immediate. Okay, my 16 year old son is studying coding in school. So he's going to come out of college and he's going to know how to code and build computers from home. Okay, this is the generation that will be your clients. If you cannot reach them, and the only way to reach them is through digital marketing, you will fail. And I'm not saying that because I'm like, a bad person and I don't want you to do well. I'm telling you, it's, it's not a choice anymore to blog, okay? It's not a choice anymore to update your social media. It is no longer a choice. It is something that is vital for the continuance of your business. And so to me, this like problem that we have with adoption, not only that, and I'm gonna step up on another soapbox again, we do not understand that every single thing that we do in our strategies, in marketing, in collaboration, in networking, in promotions, in design, all of those things are like a giant circle of life. One thing leads to the next thing that leads to the next thing that leads to the next thing. And you're creating this circle of conversation inside of your marketing strategies. If you're not doing that and one part is broken, it's just everything falls off. Everything falls off and something is broken. So this is not really about, well, I can succeed by, by networking. No, you can't. You can't just succeed by networking anymore. There was a day you could. I, I lived in that day. Um, that's not true anymore. I can succeed by just blogging. No, you can't do that anymore if you're not delivering the content to them in a powerful way. I can succeed by just simply putting pictures my on my Facebook page. No, that doesn't work anymore, okay? It's all about adapting to all this digital conversation that's happening around the business sphere. Um, some kid, a nerd kid like my son, is gonna write an app that will um, 
that will, you know, let you go in and make cake online. Okay, there are service providers out there that will help you to build a bouquet online. Like you, it's a 3D rendering of your bouquet and you could do this for all of your tables and then push send and they show up on your wedding day and you never talk to a human. That will be normal, okay? I'm not making this up. These things already exist. So this whole idea that we don't have to adapt or that we don't have to be thinking about what's beyond our circle of, you know, well, I don't like to blog, too bad, right? Because if you don't, there's going to be this major separation of people that understand and people that do not. And that's just all there is to it. And so my goal um, in this conversation is and you don't have to be able to do it all, right? You don't have to know everything. You're never gonna you know, be the best at every tiny thing that you try, but you have to understand how it works and what it means to the circle of life of your business, the ecosystem of your business, and how one thing affects the other thing, affects the other thing, and ultimately affects revenue. I think that is a great segue to remind people that they need to continue to educate themselves, that they need to seek out resources, that they need to not be afraid of trying something new, and that they need to not be afraid of bringing in partners that can help them. I mean, at the end of the day, not knowing something is absolutely fine. Like, don't know something. Cool. Fine. Don't know stuff. I don't know lots of stuff, right? Right now I am studying and setting up a brand new website and I am so lost, right? It's out of my zone of genius, but guess what? When I'm done learning it, it's in my zone of genius, right? Don't know something, fine, but don't allow yourself to be okay with not knowing something. You have to tackle it. And if you don't know how to do it, get the help that you need. There are people out there like myself and others that will support you in getting the strategies and teaching you how to do it and pushing you along your way. Find a good one. Find somebody you believe in who understands your message. Find somebody who understands the wedding industry. For goodness gracious sakes, do not go and buy from a social media manager who has never worked in the wedding industry. It does not work. They don't understand. They can't speak bride, okay? So do, do your just do's to find the people that understand you and that can help you and change your mind. It's, it's really a mindset thing. It's, the issue is not, I don't know how to use my computer and I don't know anything about that and I can't Pinterest or I hate Pinterest. Okay, you have to change the way you look at something and go, how can I take this tool or how can I take this effort or how can I take this knowledge piece and make it work for me? And say, I'm gonna own you and I'm gonna turn you into something that is profitable and beneficial for me. Um, when you do that, you can completely change your perspective on what you do and why you do it. So that's just, it's a total soapbox of mine. <laughs> and it's something that I just wish everybody would go like, okay, I can tackle it one thing at a time. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One thing, stop throwing the spaghetti at the wall, expecting that all these things are going to make your life better one thing at a time, figure out how to do email market, marketing, figure out a social media content strategy, figure out one step at a time, each one of these things, and then actually implement them. 
Don't just go, oh, that's a cool idea, because it's not enough. If you don't do it, it's not going to work. The follow through. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a miss on a lot of entrepreneurs. For sure. And I struggle with this sometimes because I think that, well, okay, truth time. I do believe that some people want to. They want it, but they don't want it enough. There's a certain amount of hunger that has to exist for people in order for them to really, really, really push into the next level. Like in, you know, I started my blog and I started my VA business because if I didn't, we would not have been able to put food on the table. And I continue every day thinking, what if something happens and I can't put food on my table? And so I keep devouring information and I keep learning because I never ever wanna come to a place where I'm not understanding what's happening around me to the point that it will continue to put food on my table. And when you're not hungry, you don't work hard. So get hungry, change your mind and get hungry and realize like, if I'm not hungry now, I'm going to be in famine later and I'm going to really be in a problem situation. I think that's a great way to wrap up the podcast. Stay hungry. Now I really am hungry though. <laughs> I, it, it may be about that time. I know we have another recording to do, so I'll get to it eventually today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, Kelly, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I love and you we're definitely happy to have you on. Sheree, any last words? Yeah, I just want to say thanks again to Kelly and, and um, much success to you and your new um, offerings out there to those in the wedding industry. Every day I meet somebody and I say, are you on this Facebook group? Because, because I think that you're the one place that people can go. Um, I really, and to, from the heart, for unbiased information. And I think that that's really important because people don't know what they should be looking for, just like our couples don't. And so sometimes they fall into the trap of following someone who's not maybe authentic and who is not really interested in them having their own personal success. And you are authentic and you do want people to be successful. And that's what makes you different in the industry. So I applaud you for that and look forward to seeing you in November at MBA. Yay. Thank you so much again for having me. And honestly, um, I hope more than anything in all these efforts and everything that we're doing is to replicate that that message across the industry as a whole that we can all come at it from an authentic standpoint and that we can all grow by supporting each other with a message that is like hey we're all in this together let's work hard together and so if i can do that i can die a happy woman <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> all right well that wraps up this podcast and we look forward to having everybody on the next podcast until the next time bye everyone